Alright everyone, so welcome back to Filmcraft. This is going to be a guest edition with Lydia Kay. She is an actress from the UK that has over a dozen IMDb credits. She also runs The Real Road, spelled R-E-E-L Road, not real as in real life. Real as in real acting. And she runs Acting Hour. So yeah, she's agreed to be on the show here. And uh, thanks for being on, Lydia. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. So um, I guess we'll start just from the top. What made you get interested in this crazy world of film? Oh my goodness. Um, I've, I've actually been acting like since I was six um, with a local Amdram group. So I've been kind of on stage since I was six years old. Uh, I think it was probably around the first time I saw the Star Wars film that I was like, this is really cool. I need to do that. That's awesome. Um, and I've sort of been chasing it ever since then. Uh, and I, I still love it as much as the first day when I decided I wanted to do it for the rest of my life. So yeah, <laughs> here I am. Fantastic. Just because I'm a total nerd about Star Wars, I gotta ask, what was it about Star Wars that drew you in? Oh, for me, I think it was like kind of the possibility that you can sort of create anything on screen. Like the imagination has no bounds. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was that for me because it's literally like creating an entirely different world with these characters that you love and you follow along. Um, and I think that for me is what really drew me in. Fantastic. To, the, to it originally. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, what was your first forte into acting? Oh, professionally or ever? Let's go with ever. Your first time you tried to act. Oh, goodness. The first time I ever tried to act was probably with um, a local amateur dramatics group um, called the Leighton Buzzard Children's Theatre, which is in their hometown where I grew up. Um, they used to put. Um, like plays or musicals on in the town theatre like once or twice a year so it was with one of those ones I think it was just like a, a like a musical medley one where we did a few different songs from different things because um, we do mixtures of those mostly for charity and then we would do like um, plays as well but I was probably about six or seven years old back then so I think the first one I ever did was like a medley of different different bits from different musicals that's awesome so in terms of you would often hear that new actors the nerves get the better of them would you have anything to any helpful tips to give them coming from just what you do in terms of teaching actors or in terms of when you went to go do that first thing i imagine you were quite young so the nerves maybe wouldn't have quite kicked in yet or did they yeah i used to get terrible stage fright when i was younger particularly with um singing i used to really struggle with singing in front of people it used to scare life out of me but um i guess the important thing to remember is, is it should be fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I like once you kind of. Well, for me, once I got on the stage and I started going, the nerves would just fell away, and for me, I just had the time of my life. Um, so once I got going, it was it was okay. It was just getting past those sort of initial nerves, and then the more experienced I became, the less I struggled with those nerves. But I think that you always have them. Um, but that's kind of a good thing though, because if you're not a little bit nervous about something, then I don't think you probably care enough about it. Yeah, you can use it to your advantage, right? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Okay, well, let's... The weirdest one for me, though, is always, like, my nerves always get the better of me sometimes. It's, like, <laughs> literally before the play's about to start, I'm like, what's my first line? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and then I get on stage, and it's, it's always there. Because you do the work beforehand, so you, you do know it backwards, so it just takes over, really. Yeah. And if you do black, you just cover. Like, everyone does the stage work. That's just how it is. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's like finding a way around the nerves, really, is probably the best thing. Finding a way to relax beforehand and, like, Every actor, I think, has their own sort of, like, pre-performance sort of routine and prep. 
Yeah. What would you say yours is or what advice would you give to people to find their, you know, pre-show routine? I'd say just try a few different things. Um, so some people just like to do a very specific set warm-up every time. Some people like to listen to music before they go on. Like, you can create a particular playlist which matches, like, your character. Mm-hmm. That was quite a good one to do. Um, I like to just be kind of bouncy and energetic because I find that once I sort of use that energy a little bit, it gives me more focus okay. rather than just feeling, like, all kind of, like, nervous with all the energy inside. Because it is exciting. Okay, awesome. So we'll track back just real quick to the uh, if someone's terrified and, you know, they know in their heart they really want to try it out. But every time, you know, they go to an audition, they chicken out at the last minute and they go and they go home. Right. So if you had someone in that circumstance, what would you tell them? Like, just don't be afraid to fail. Like, it's okay not to do poorly on your first ones. Just get rid of your nerves. What would you tell them to give them confidence to try it finally? successful people in life are only the people who failed the most and got back up again so it doesn't matter um the, the audition should be fun i think people put so much pressure on like getting the job that it freaks them out at the audition stage but if you forget about the job and you, you basically treat that audition as the job so your job is literally to go in and show them this character and how you want to do it um and that is the job and then once you finish the audition, that's it, the job's done. And if you think you did well at showing that character, then you've done a good job. For me personally, I um, I say that if I get a call back or if I get the job afterwards, it's just bonus. <laughs> so I treat the audition as it is the job. Yeah. And there'll always be another audition, so there'll always be another job. We've just got to keep going. It's like, yeah. And, that, and practice as well. If you find it really hard even just to like get to the audition stage, like... Just practice, learn a few different things, do it in front of like family, do it in front of friends, um, see if you've got family friends who might like watch you do it that you're not so familiar with, so it's a little bit more nerve wracking than doing it in front of the same people that you know really well. Just it's just kind of it's definitely practice. Okay, awesome. So one thing that you just said that really interested me is I've cast movies before and I've seen people that have that internal trip up where they treat it as, you know, life or death if I don't get this part. And it really does kind of tank the audition. So oh, coming... absolutely. Every time I've gone in for a job where I've been like, oh, I really want this, I've, I've like, not got it. Because you're so freaked. You, like, inwardly freak yourself out. But when I just go in, I'm like, I'm just going to have fun with this character. That's the ones I usually book. Yeah, and trust me, that coming from the other side, too, like, we notice those kinds of things. So any actors listening, I would say... Yeah, just relax and have fun with it. Um, one yeah. interesting note on uh, on that as well, I think that's worth talking about because I don't think too many people do talk about it, was is being personable in a room when you go in for a character aside from knowing your lines and giving your performance. What would you what tips would you give to people for just, you know, showing the people that you're auditioning that you're you know not a crazy person that you're going to do well because i think that's a key part of an audition as well like we're we're seeing you to see if you can be the part but we're also seeing you to make sure we can be around you for hundreds and hundreds of hours right yeah i think it's just really just to be yourself um and just to kind of go in there with the interest of actually meeting the people again rather than going in with like the idea of i'm going to get this job it's like it's much more it's, it's much easier to like deal with the whole situation if you just break it down into little things so it's like I'm going to you know meet these 
people, I'm going to have fun with this character, um, I'm going to show this in this way, rather than going in with like these huge like goals for that particular thing, which usually only lasts a couple of minutes. Um, yeah, just be yourself really, because I think a lot of actors get so, um, they get so keen to show that they want the job that they almost come across as like desperate for it. Yeah, needy. <laughs> I, mean, I, I I'm guilty of it too. I, I think everybody's everyone's done it. Um, I think it's not even just for actors. I think anyone who's ever been to a job interview has definitely done this at some point. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, because you you get so busy in trying to show you the black, the person that you're the right person for the job, but really at the end of the day, um, if you get cast or not, it's usually not really anything to do with you. It's just whether or not that character fits like you or what the person who's casting it has in mind for that character, and like you know you. It's not personal in terms of your actual ability or anything. You could just have the wrong look, or you might not. You might not look right to stand next to the person that they've cast opposite you. Yeah. So just, just yeah, removing or finding all those things like removing the pressures really, and just like just going in to have fun. I think if you do that, then it kind of you you get to show yourself and a strong performance at the same time, and that's generally what people want to kind of work with is someone who's not like really stressed out about it. Yeah, and again, coming from the other side of that, trust me, everything she's saying is 100% true. <laughs> Listen to her advice. <laughs> it took me a while to learn it, because it's like all these little secrets that they don't tell you when you're training, and then you get out there and you're like, oh, I have to learn a lot. <laughs> um, but you know, you do as you go along, and then you meet other actors who are more experienced as well, and like, luckily I, I have people around that um, I, I, like, I like hearing... Um, stories and things from other people so I can take advice from them if you can learn from other people's mistakes then the mistakes you make yourself are new ones so you learn more yeah yeah definitely so I just want to touch on one other thing in terms of auditions then we'll move on um I think it'll be interesting to ask this coming from an actress that does this like very professionally as well what do you think of when actors say, is it okay for me to message, you know, this director, this casting agent where I didn't get the part and ask for advice? And if they do that and the casting agent or director gives them something where it's like, comes from an honest place saying, here's how you can do better. So I guess the question is, do you think it's okay to reach out to those people to ask for advice on how they could have done better? And once you get advice that isn't you were amazing. It was just, you know, we went with this person. If it's something constructive, how to take in that advice and use it mm. to your advantage? Um, I think in terms of reaching out and asking for advice from like casting directors and directors and things, um, you do have to be really, really careful who you ask for that from an actor's perspective because, like, the, the bigger the production, the busier the people are that are working on it, and not everybody would probably appreciate you asking them for mm -hmm. that because. Some of the bigger productions could have like thousands of sub submissions and then they have maybe 50 people in for the first round and then maybe have 20 people in for the callbacks and then take like a final 10 on through to show to the actual like production team. So if they got like all of those actors asking for feedback, it could clog up their inbox and they could, it's not always like well received. Um, I think some don't mind. It's just that you'd have to essentially do your research beforehand to find out if that person is okay with it. Um, for me personally, if I didn't know if they would be okay with it or not, I probably wouldn't ask for feedback. Um, occasionally I've been given feedback um, at an audition, uh, directly there or maybe afterwards, and I actually love it because when people can give you feedback, it's about taking on the criticism and just being constructive about it. 
And like when people pick out certain things that you know you could have done better, the more specific they are, the better, because then you kind of know what happened where. Because it's not obviously you, you can't watch yourself perform. Yeah. Um, so it's always good to see another person's perspective on that performance. Yeah, definitely. As opposed to like generalized ones where people just go, yeah, it was a bit like too sad. I'm like, okay. Which bit? <laughs> the more constructive the criticism, the better. I love, I love constructive criticism. Um, I think that you only learn. You can't, you can't learn if you think you're doing it right the whole time. Only when you know where you're going wrong can you like grow and progress. Yeah, definitely. And that's one thing I always advise of people, whether it be actors, writers, directors, anyone in this creative medium, is just. Put yourself around people that are going to give you real advice and not just look at your acting or read your script or watch a movie and tell you that it's awesome because they know you. Yeah. People that are going to it's give really you ways to... It's really to have somebody, at least one person in either your friends group or your family that is going to be totally brutally honest with you yeah. regardless of how you're going to feel about it. <laughs> I'm quite lucky my mum's like that. Um, I remember when I was at drama school, she came to watch a performance and I wasn't happy with it beforehand. Uh, and she was like, what was that? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I, I know, I'm well aware of that one. Um, but she, yeah, she's my biggest critic, but she's also my biggest fan. So um, it's great because I, I love having that. And my best friend also will be brutally honest with anything that you know she thinks is right or wrong. And she's very constructive with her criticism. So I'm really lucky that I've got people around me that will tell me when things aren't quite right or aren't quite working. And I think that's really important to find because I think so many people are f- afraid of offending people these days that they're just like, yeah, yeah, that's really good. I'm like, I can hear that you're not telling me the truth, but thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I like, I like, I like brutal honesty. If I even if I don't want to hear it, I'd rather people told me the truth personally. Yeah, I'm the exact same way. So we'll just do a little trail-off question here for the people that are experiencing that kind of brute honesty for the very first time. Like it is the first time you hear it, it's you know it hurts a little bit. But what advice would you give to people to get over that and use it to their benefit instead of their detriment? Uh, first of all, you need to identify that the criticism you're getting, whether it's a valid point or not. So. If it's just very general, like it was crap, I would probably just ignore that entirely. Um, if it was something really kind of specific um, that pointed out something about like a particular scene, like, oh yeah, it didn't really feel the emotion in this scene here, you can then go, okay, that's something specific, let me have a look at that. Okay, maybe they're right, what can I do to bring this out more? Get a second opinion from someone that you know, again, who's um, like, again, brutally honest with you. And then just look at it as a way to improve, really, because at the end of the day, if you think you know everything, I think that's the day you truly know nothing because no one will ever know everything. And I don't think, I don't think any actor will ever like perfect their craft. You get better progressively, but there's always more to learn. I don't think you have a long enough lifetime to learn it all. Yeah, and I think so that... it's basically just using it as a, use it use it to grow. And if it's if it's not like constructive and it's just somebody like hating on you use it to fuel your fire and just like okay bring it <laughs> let me be wrong <laughs> um yeah i think it's, i think it's just that really that's awesome great great answer all right so let's move on a little bit and um what was your experience like when you booked what you would consider to be your first bigger production whatever that may be and what was the production that you consider to be that next step up Ah, well, okay, the first one I'd probably say was an independent film called Invasion of the Not Quite Dead. 
Um, it's quite a big independent film. It's got, as in, it's got a very like big cult following online, particularly on Twitter. It's a passion project for the director. It's been like I think eleven years in the making now. Oh, wow. I think it was like if, if it's not the first, it was one of the first ever films to attempt fan fundraising. And it's pre Kickstarter, pre Indiegogo. It's like way way back back with it when it was literally like a website with paypal um <laughs> so it's been a really long haul project to get it together um and i i booked that role actually when i was still at drama school and it was a really really weird way of booking it because i'd been following the project for some time i actually joined twitter to follow the project because i thought it was cool i heard about it <laughs> on the radio and i was like that sounds awesome so i followed it and um i talked with the director a few times and was showing support with the film and he um, he just said he liked how passionate I was about the film, and uh, that's how I got offered a role in it because like, I showed I was showing that I loved it, so that was pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, um, and because I'd been following the film as well, and like I'd been like I knew quite a lot about it, that was really exciting for me. I definitely jumped up and down. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's weird because that was actually the first um, like feature film role I ever booked, but it's only just um, getting towards the end of being wrapped now. Oh, so wow. it's been a very, very long haul project. I think it's about eight years now, nearly, that I've been attached to that one. So I'm so excited because they're, they're due to finish filming this summer. Uh, and it's already about halfway through post-production. And I've seen some sneak peeks of it, and it looks really good. So I'm very excited. Awesome. So in terms of how you got onto that, which is very, very admirable and super awesome, would you recommend other people do that? Or would you... Like, what's the line you would tell people to toe between, you know, if you really like this, go show your support and being, you know, a bit too much of that? What would what advice would you give people on that front? I would say that it's like networking is probably one of the most important things in the entire industry. Like, I kind of clock very quickly that it's mostly about who you know. Uh, because you need somebody to open the door to you, particularly as an actor as well, because we don't get the choice of when we're going to perform in, in something. We have to be chosen for it. So you've got to put your work out there. And networking is really like the key way to kind of do that. Um, I think you can, you can network in person um, at networking events, or you can do a lot of online networking as well. The key to the online networking really is just to know what people's boundaries are. So... I would definitely say support films, uh, especially ones that are like fan fundraising, but to do it because you want to support the film, not because you want a role in the film. Um, you need to basically integrate yourself into the community um, for independent film. And if you show support, someone may then invite you to audition, or at least they may know who you are if your face pops up on a casting call or then they put out auditions and stuff like that. So they're like, oh, I know her. She's always supporting it. Yeah, let's get her in. Um, But I think the key thing with that is not to approach people and just, like, ask for roles, especially directly online, because I know a lot of uh, casting directors and stuff hate to be approached for that sort of thing on Twitter particularly, Um, because, like, not all of them are, are on Twitter for that purpose but i would definitely follow them and definitely like um, engage with them on there but like just respond to things that they're posting rather than just like about getting a role all the time um yeah that's probably my best advice for that one awesome so you said in there that 
one of the unique things about acting is you don't get to choose when you perform. On that note, would you recommend actors to get into writing and directing to put themselves in their own movies? And if so, why or why not would you recommend that? I think that if you want to create something yourself, then you definitely should. Um, I've done some projects with friends in the past, and it's been great fun. You just need to be careful what kind of things you do. Like, make sure it's going to sh- uh, show you in a good light, and it's going to move you and your career forward. Don't just do stuff for the sake of doing stuff. You need to make sure it's kind of got a purpose and a point. But yeah, if you've if you've got the means to create something, then do it. Like the online platform of social media is so huge these days. And there are so many people out there that want to act now. Particularly now we've got reality TV as well. Everybody kind of wants their like 15 minutes of fame, which is really not what it's about when you're (laughs) in it for the long haul as an actor Um, or any part of this industry. It's really not about that at all. Um, But because of that, there is so much almost like noise now that it's very difficult to get seen and get heard. So I think that you do have to kind of do creative things or you do have to work on your social media you've got to make yourself visible because just like sitting there and waiting for like your agent to call like it like kind of like it used to be it's it's not enough anymore like the industry has grown and changed so much just since i've been in it let alone in the last 50 years um that yeah it's not enough now just to kind of follow you know the tried and tested methods everything now is kind of up for grabs so you've got to get creative definitely yeah, it's the whole concept of it will, success will come to those who work for it, right? Absolutely, yeah. All right, so yeah, let's go on and talk a little bit about these companies you run. Um, mm-hmm. Tell me a little bit about The Real Road. Okay, so The Real Road is essentially my vlog. Um, again, basically going off the back of the last question uh, about being visible, I was just th- literally one day thinking as like, YouTube is a huge platform. Oh, yeah. I'm not really using that. I should use that. How do I use that? So I was like, I wanted to do something and create myself a YouTube channel, but I was very aware that whatever I chose to do on YouTube had to be something that would not be detrimental to my acting career. So I didn't want to do anything that was like too silly or too spoofy or that might be offensive. I mean, I, I wouldn't do anything offensive anyway, but you know, you have to be <laughs> extra careful when you kind of have um, like your main career yeah. that would potentially end up in the public eye if that makes sense so eventually after like some thought I kind of was like do you know what why don't I just do a sort of behind the scenes of what it's actually like to live an actor's life um, and then when I founded my company The Real Road that kind of just fell in as well because I'm like okay yeah I'll just do like a behind the scenes of my journey so it's like my real road essentially to success yeah. I hope uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> so that's how that kind of came about and I've been doing it for about a year now awesome Awesome. So yeah, I think I find that very admirable myself because that's one of the reasons we started this podcast that you're you know being yeah. featured in right now was that you hear a lot, you hear and read a lot of things on whether in our case it's how to make a micro budget film or in your case it's like what it's like to be behind the scenes acting. And a lot of the times yeah. people kind of gloss over or they'll give more advice that you've already heard before. So in terms of what you're doing with the real road. Was there an angle that you tried to come at it where you thought it would be different than what people had already seen? Like, how did you try and make it unique to yourself and to your audience? I guess I just wanted to kind of show, like, what show it is, it is, like, to be real. Because there's a, like, acting is so glamorized. 
when yeah. you look at it and when people like when you say to people like we ask what you do you say I'm an actor they're like oh that's exciting I'm like no really most of the time it's just searching for work submissions like learning lines and then <laughs> next <laughs> and then working all of the day jobs that you have to work which is usually like four or five different kinds of jobs at once so that you can literally yeah. pay your rent so that you can continue your submissions <laughs> so I was like it is over glamorized and it's it's a very difficult lifestyle to live um to be any creative really as well but I mean yeah and I think that a lot of people would like they don't see or understand that and so I was like well maybe I can shine a little bit of light on that so I sometimes do vlogs with no makeup on because I'm like yeah I'm a real person <laughs> like we don't always look fantastic we don't always look polished and sometimes it's really hard I think next week's one is going to be called uh, the realities of acting uh, where I'm going to try and get my housemate if she's free because that's another reality we never see each other because we're always so busy <laughs> um, yeah we're going to sit down and actually have like a chat about some of the realities of what it's like to actually lead a life like this when you know sometimes you have had a couple of weeks and you're like I haven't had an audition for a few weeks now I'm feeling really like antsy I want to I want to do something creative but you know I've got to go and do this job and then I've got to do this job <laughs> and then sleep is like when do I do that um so yeah I think that's just kind of what I wanted to do that was a little bit different about it because I think so many people are think it is glamorous and I don't know I guess as an actor you kind of try to portray like this perfect image of yourself online especially the way that the media is because you're always told how you should look how you should dress etc yeah definitely um so I wanted to just show a little bit of like you're not always <laughs> yeah that's awesome I think that's really awesome and let me know when that one comes out I'd be super interested to see that um yeah when... it should be out next Monday I generally tend to release them every Monday awesome awesome I will check it out on the note of um we're actually planning on doing an episode that's kind of similar on the topic of just what you have to put in in order just to keep stable in this creative life yeah. so for example the episode we're going to do is how many hours it realistically takes for you putting in to make a micro budget feature so on that note oh, that's, that's a great idea yeah, on Definitely. the note of where you said, you know, where do I get time to sleep? It's very true. You know, everyone in this industry is super tired. So could you give an overview <laughs> of like, you know, how your week goes? Like you mentioned, sometimes you work four or five jobs. You got to fit auditions in there. And then if you happen to book a job, you got to work around that. And then there's finding yeah. time for submissions and everything. So what does your average week look like in terms of, you know, how much oh, you're doing? Goodness. Well, week, weekends are not a thing. Yes, they are. They exist. <laughs> like, they do not exist. They're a myth. Um, yeah, people with these nine-to-five jobs, they have this thing called a weekend. I'm not really sure what that means, but yeah. That's going to be the title thing. of this episode. Um, <laughs> yeah, so a typical week for me would probably be, I would probably work, if not every day, I would probably work at least five or six of them yep. uh, sometimes uh, that could be two or three different shifts a day um, for different sort of uh, different jobs like diff just like cash like earners that you can get work from so I probably do like yeah a few different ones of those sometimes two or three a day, a day. then on the days that I was not working um, I would probably be running a workshop for my company <laughs> Or I'd be doing like an online networking thing or updating the website. Uh, what else? Social media work as well. That tends to be what I do on the train. So whenever I'm traveling, I tend to do the catch up with the social media and the posting, things like that. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, plus learning lines. 
that that usually replaces about an hour of sleep every night um, when you need to learn something. And then, yeah, if I have an audition one week as well, then I'd probably have that in there as well, maybe a self-tape or two, which takes up quite a lot of time because you've got to, like, I had to buy a softbox recently so I could have good lighting for my self-tape. So I was just like, ah, I don't really know what I'm doing with this, but I'm going to have to learn it. Yeah, I think that's a good um, note for actors too. Good lighting and self-tapes makes a world of difference. Yes, it does. Especially if you have to like film at night, like me. So like in my flat when I film, it's daytime. The lighting's fabulous, but I'm usually at work in the daytime. When I get home, I'm like, ah, there's no sun, and the lighter's down lighter. That's not good. So yeah, I've bought a softbox recently so I can assist with that. Because previously it was like balancing lamps on bookshelves and things, which is kind of precarious, but it worked until now. <laughs> Um, also, like, uh, you could end up traveling for auditions as well. So last week I had to drive from London down to Kent for an audition and then back for a day. And I think two weeks before that I went up to Birmingham and back. So you could, I think the Birmingham one as well was like three hours, three and a half hours of travel each side. So that took up like the whole day, um, which is great. But obviously every day you're auditioning, you're not earning your money to live on. So then you end up having to pick up additional shifts on the days when you're not auditioning. So that's why sometimes you end up doing like two or three shifts a day. Yeah. So yeah, it's kind of intense. <laughs> but you know, that that's the dedication right there that I think is going to get you through to the next step. And like, not just you I or I, anyone, so. right? <laughs> <laughs> People do ask me when I sleep and I'm just like, yeah, I don't. When you get a chance. Yeah. I sleep I sleep on the train that's probably not a good idea <laughs> but yeah it happens sometimes and, yeah whatever you can really I've done some jobs before where I was like I've got four hours I can get the train home get an hour of sleep and then get the train back yeah let's do that, that that's admirable to say the least <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's it's a crazy lifestyle um yeah very very crazy I think probably the same for filmmakers as well because they have like so much to do especially in um pre-production oh yeah absolutely i mean like for an example my day job i'm down to part-time now because i'm doing another feature but when i work i'll work like nine to five thirty, and then everyone will be like oh yeah i'm gonna go home and eat some food i'm gonna watch a movie what are you gonna do it's like i'm gonna go work until midnight and then hopefully get yeah. some sleep <laughs> Yeah, it's like I finished a job the other day and I'd like, they, I got, I turned up and they were like, oh, you look really tired. I was like, yeah, well, I was handing out leaflets from like 6 a.m. this morning. So I've been up since 4 and they're like, oh, and now you're working a double shift here? I'm like, yeah. So I do that. Then I finish at 11. They go, oh, but you can go home and sleep now. I was like, no, now I'm going to drive to Manchester. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, oh, but I have to get the train home first. So I'll probably get there at like 5. And they're just like, what is wrong with you? And I'm just like, I love my job. Yeah, yeah, and that's the key too. And the other thing too is if yeah. you hear, if a director or anyone in a casting position hears stuff like that, they immediately think, okay, this person has dedication. This is someone that we at least need to very seriously consider. <laughs> so that's yeah, a good. Yeah, you've got to love what you do. Like, you've really got to love it. Like in this industry as well, the amount of people that say it's like, oh, I was thinking about getting into it. I was like, okay, firstly, just figure out if this is actually worth it for you because you will not have a normal life. Or nope. any kind of stability. Yeah. Or sleep. But you gotta love um, it. Yeah, you've gotta you've gotta love it. But I mean, if you do love it, then people say it's a labour of love, but I don't really find it that laborious because I love it. <laughs> so it's, it's just what is necessary, really. Yeah, definitely. All right. So our acting listeners, I think, would probably kill me if I didn't ask. Any tips on getting an agent? 
Oh, again, be yourself because they're going to want to like know that they can work with you. Mm-hmm. Um, do your research for sure before you start buying. Like getting an agent is tricky. Like because of my kind of appearance, I'm sort of in the biggest casting bracket. So I actually went self-represented for two and a half years. Really? How'd um, that work for which you? Which is tricky. But yeah, it's very tricky, but it can be done. Um, and that's primarily networking and especially like working online as well to meet new people, going to networking events. So if you don't have an agent, like don't freak out. It's not the end of the world, but you do have to just put in the extra work to look for, for jobs. And also, if you don't have an agent, creating stuff yourself is the best way to get noticed and to get seen. Um, because then you've got stuff to show them and you've got things to invite them to. So definitely doing that. Do your research, like know their names, know stuff about their companies. Like if you're gonna email them, make sure it's a personal email. Like don't definitely don't do a blanket email. I definitely don't address it to like this, sir, madam. Like address it to the agents by name. Make sure you know which agents you want to address to because some of the bigger agents, agencies have like separate departments. So you could be applying, you know, to do a film to you. But if you're applying to an agent who just does commercials or just musical theatre and you just want to do film, then you're applying to the wrong one. So you've got to do your, your like research, know something about what they've done recently, like what their clients have been in. It's basically just about having that knowledge there. Um, if you get to the meeting, like, and you have to do an audition, pick a piece that's appropriate to you. Preferably something that's not like really well known as well, because like that will have been done to death. And anything that's like really iconic, you've got to then live up to the performers who have done that before and done it like almost flawlessly. So if you pick something that's a little less well known, you probably stand a better chance because you don't have to live up to like a big hype of someone else's performance. And also like the agent or casting director are probably less bored of hearing it. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I think, I think keep it's great advice. Like, keep trying, because I, like, I, I was self-represented and that went okay for a while, for me for a while, and then I got to the point where I was sort of hitting the ceiling and I was like, I need someone to open doors for me now, so I need to apply. I think it took a good three rounds of applying before anyone accepted me, and a lot of the time that was just because they already had someone on their books that was a very similar or the same cast type as me. Yeah, and I fair. think that's an important thing that actors probably need to know, especially actors who are newer to the industry, is like, don't worry about it, keep trying, because agents won't take on people if they already have someone like you on their books. And that's got nothing to do with how good you are or like what you've done before. But yeah, just keep just keep working, keep grinding, keep going. Um, and then when you do get an agent, don't stop. Like, keep looking for work as well. Like, you should be working in a partnership with your agent. They shouldn't be doing all of the work and then you just go, okay, and now I'll act. Like, you should both be putting in equal efforts. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's great advice. So, two questions popped to mind from that. Uh, one, would you recommend blind submissions or would you, what would you recommend for the initial first contact? Uh, I would recommend going as personal a lot as you can with um, with the, every submission that you do. Um, literally, like, yeah, putting something in relevant to the agency, something relevant to the agent, and knowing the agent's name and having their name at the top of the email. So, yeah, definitely personalize every single email that you send out. A blanket submission is most likely just going to get skimmed over because it, if it's not personal, people don't read it. Yeah, yeah, that's totally fair. And then the second question that pops to mind is, 
You'll often hear actors where they get an agent and they think everything's gravy. A year goes by and they're like, my agent isn't doing anything for me. And I think that ties into what you said of you have to keep working in partnership with your agent, so don't stop looking for work. But then there are those other times where it's just the actor is a mismatch for the agent. And I think when, you, yeah, when you go into these uh, and an agent says, yeah, I'll take you, your instinct as an actor is probably like, oh my God, an agent will take me and you jump on. So how do you know which... Yeah. Agent is best for you. Um, the first thing to do is, is again straight away is your research. So you need to look at the kind of work they're getting their clients, like when you, before you apply, and be like, is this the kind of work I want to do? If like they're just getting their clients TIE work and theatre and touring stuff, and you want to do film and commercials, that's not going to match. So that's your first point is to do to seriously do your homework. Um, look at their websites and everything. So that's the first one. Um, and then after that word, like, you've got to talk to them first so that you know you can talk to them. Um, so th- I think most agents will either do like an interview or like at least a telephone conversation um, or an audition so they can see you. So if, yeah, if you, if you can meet them, that's even better. Um, or, but definitely you need to talk to them so that you know you can talk to them. And then, like, once you're with the agent and you've signed with them, which you should never, ever pay for, just to any actors who are listening that are new, don't ever, ever pay any upfront fees. Is that a thing? For an agent. Yeah, there's so many scams out there. Like, no way. I don't know a single actor who hasn't been caught by at least one scam. Can you give uh, the audience an idea of this? I've never even heard of this. Yeah, so people will say there are like administration fees to sign up to an agency. There, some of them will um, obviously these are not legitimate agencies. Of course. Um, some of them will say that yes, you can join, but you have to get photographs done by their photographer, um, which then they like you have to pay to get done, and usually they're not very good, and also it's not allowed. Uh, there are so many different ones out there. There are like so many different kind of scams. But the most important thing to re- remember is to just not ever pay any upfront fees. An agent should take commission when they give you work. So they get paid when you get paid. Um, yeah, and if they do have any other like things like, okay, well, if you want your photograph on my website, then there's an admin fee. I think that's kind of okay as long as it's optional. If, if they say you have to pay it, then don't. That's like alarm bells, basically. Okay. Yeah, stay clear of that. That's probably the best piece of advice is just never to pay, like never to be told you have to pay to sign up for an agency. Yeah, that's great that's, advice. That's not how it works at all. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, and then I think back to the original question, after, after you're signed like, with an agency, you should be able to talk to your agent. Like if you can't, speak with your agent and have a discussion about your career like then it's probably not a good match like obviously don't be calling them in the middle of the night or anything because that's not appropriate be reasonable (laughs) but like if you can't have communication then that's no good like if you don't hear from your agent for months that's terrible (laughs) um and also if you're not getting any castings and you're not getting any auditions then you should be able to talk to your agent and they should be able to kind of give you advice as to why do you need new headshots are they not working for you like does your showreel need work or developing like they, they should have some suggestions as to what you can do to try and like be seen more mm-hmm. if that makes sense 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. So just real quick on that note, you'll hear some stories of people will be afraid to talk to their agents, like calling them is a huge nuisance. Um, Have you, do you have any experience with that, whether it's gone positively or negatively or stories associated with that to, you know, give advice to the listeners? Um, I've, I had it. I'm not going to say any names because like, of course, course. but um, I, I was with an agent previously um, and we had almost zero communication and, I found out that directors I've worked with have been contacted behind my back without any knowledge and stuff, and I didn't get any work. When I did message it, my messages were not responded to even like after weeks. And eventually, like I was just like, Do you know what, this isn't working for me. Um, so I basically I just I sent them a message and sort of just said that I was going to go my own way and represent myself, and I just left gracefully mm-hmm. uh, I think that's kind of the most important thing as well because you don't you don't want to like burn any bridges while you're you know an up and coming actor or anyone and there's no reason why you, you can't be nice about things yeah absolutely you know, the world's a better place if everybody's nicer and you know even if they weren't nice to you be the bigger person yeah definitely <laughs> but, that'll um, take you a long yeah, way if, if it's not working for you then it's not working for you um some agencies will have contracts, so some of them you have to stay with them for a certain amount of time. But if it's not working, there's nothing to say that you can't start looking for a new agent uh, when your contract's on the way out so that you, when it ends, you have another one to go to. Um, yeah, I mean, if, if you're not happy, if you feel uncomfortable, if you feel like you can't talk to your agent, then it's probably not a good match. Yeah, definitely. And I would assume, like, if you're in that circumstance and you call your agent, you're like, look, man, we never talk. This isn't working. It's probably at a point where they're going to say, yeah, you're right. Let's just part separately anyways. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's just finding what's right for you. And a lot of the time with that, it's just trial and error. You're not going to know until you attempt to work with the person. So I think most people go through a couple of agents before they find one that they want to stay with for a while. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So let's move on to the question I'm most excited for. Um, acting hour it yes. seems very very exciting and super ambitious and like you're doing very well so tell us about acting hour yeah um, well basically um, it's a company I set up a few years back we originally were just doing sort of online networking like a tweet up every Wednesday um, and then it kind of grew from there we developed a website we started doing reviews then we started doing networking events like actual proper meetups once a month so people just come along to those um and those are all free as well because i just think that it's better that way yeah that's fantastic (laughs) um i think that the industry is very difficult to afford to be part of um and like if you're from a working class background um, or you have to essentially make all of your own money and support yourself. It's very, very, very difficult to afford this kind of career because what you have to spend just to stay like on Spotlight or on the casting websites and IMDb and everything, it's expensive. Oh, the headshots yeah. are expensive. Yeah. <laughs> everything is expensive. Audition travel is expensive. Workshops are expensive. And I was like, Do you know what? My networking event, it's going to be free. Um, <laughs> there's enough things you have to pay for. Um, so yeah, kind of what we started doing with that, with, with acting out, was just trying to help people who are in the industry out with getting the tools that they need to succeed in their careers. So it's for everyone who works in like all departments of like the film, TV, theatre, gaming industries. So basically, if your job has anything to do with where acting happens at any point, then it's for you. Um, 
Yeah, and now we do workshops as well. So now yeah, we have, that, uh, that's what I'm very curious about. Once, once a fortnight, and a stage combat class that once, once a fortnight as well. Yeah, I saw that uh, the combat one, and I'm very intrigued. Tell me about this. Like, what do you do in the workshop? Because it seems, you know, I mean, interesting and kind of badass at the same time. Oh, it's so much fun. We did like <laughs> uh, we did a scene, a little like fight scene week before last which part of it was inspired by um the winter soldier and i was like oh awesome. yes and <laughs> uh, that was like moving towards the intermediate level so that was kind of one of the more intense ones that we'd done i was just like exhausted but it was amazing and <laughs> okay. uh, yeah they're really good so essentially um what the stage combat classes are is um people come along and our instructor teaches them. So we currently have unarmed combat running and we're looking to next launch knife and also broadsword. Awesome. And basically what we're doing is something kind of different to what anyone else is doing in terms of flexibility. Okay. So we have a class once a fortnight and it's 15 pounds for a two hour class. And basically as you go through the classes, you'll learn all the skills that you need. And then when you finish like the beginner's class and you reach a certain level, you can move to intermediate and then you can move on to advanced. And then there'll be like an exam day where we'll give you like a certificate to say you've qualified from our course. But what we do that's different in terms of flexibility is that the instructors keep a record of your progress. So if you can't make it for a few weeks because you're a show, or if you just genuinely can't afford it for like a week or two or for a month, then it doesn't matter. Because when you next book a ticket, our instructors will see the names on the list and say, okay, right, well, these are the skills that we should cover in this class then to make sure everyone's got a good understanding of it. So it's literally like 100% flexible, um, which is not really something else that I've seen over here in the UK because most classes are workshops that happen over the course of a weekend, a few days or a week. Uh, There are some that are flexible, but it's still more like a couple of days here and there. If that makes sense, it's not like something that you can genuinely just fit into your schedule so yeah something different yeah that sounds great and then you mentioned that that is your second workshop so what would the first one be uh so we have acting class as well okay so say i'm someone that's interested in this class what's the sign-up procedure like right through interested to finished what do people do so to sign up to join the class literally um you just have to get onto our Eventbrite page, grab yourself a ticket and turn up. Um, we have like all of the events on Facebook as well. We've got a group on Facebook, uh, which is just called Acting Hour on Facebook. Um, so if you join the group, we post all of our events and everything that happens in there amongst other things that get posted in the group as well, which are related to the industry. And yeah, it's just basically like following along them, seeing which workshops are happening where, and then you just click the link, grab a ticket and turn up. And it's as easy as that. You can just join in. And then acting class ones um, are completely self-contained. So it's like a two hour workshop for just eight pounds, which is like very, very affordable. And they are just something different every week. So we do like improvisation, script work, um, we'll do like some core skills work, just like all kinds of different things. And uh, those are like, like they're really good for all different levels. If you've never done acting before and you want to come and have a go, then you'll have a chance to kind of learn something and see what it's all about. But then for actors like myself and a lot of other people I know who have been doing it for a long time, it's a way to stay connected with your craft because it's very, very easy to um, 
get caught up in the whole kind of survival process. So you do your day jobs and you keep working and you do your auditioning, etc. And you suddenly realize that you haven't actually done anything creative or performed for months. And you're like, oh, I was wondering why I was feeling so like. <laughs> and so for those kind of, that's like one of the reasons why I created it is just for a way for us to kind of stay creative and to like keep stretching the acting muscles. So like for me, I love the improvisation classes because like, we could always use more practice with improvisation. Like, it's it's on the spot. There's no such thing as too much practice with improvisation. Um, so that's essentially what that class is for. And yeah, we just, just come along. Yeah, it sounds like a great way to just keep yourself doing what you love. And I would imagine if you go, like you mentioned, a couple months without an audition or anything, then you start to feel like a little bit bummed out being the creative type. So if you go to something like this, it must keep you pretty energized as well. Yeah, definitely. And it's like, it's almost as well, it's like a safe place to play when you're an actor as well for the acting class. Because like, where else can you go in and just be like, oh, I get to crawl around on the floor for two hours and pretend <laughs> to be like a grave robber or something. Or like, I'm going to do animal work and pretend to be a sheep. It's just not something that's considered socially acceptable in normal life, is it? <laughs> no, not quite, not quite. <laughs> but when you're, in your acting, when you're in an acting class like that, you could just like, let your imagination go and do all manner of crazy things. And it's fantastic. Yeah, it's it sounds very great. Freeing. All right, so on the note of taking classes, um, what opinion or thoughts do you have on film school? If someone was to come to you and said, I want to be an actor, actress, should I go to film school? What would you tell them? Um, I would honestly say that training is great. Like, you, you, ne- you should never stop learning as a performer. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've already been acting and you've got credits under your belt, then potentially you may not need to go to like study at a drama school or a film school because you, you're already working. But if you haven't done anything, I would say it's definitely a great place to start because you'll understand like more about what the world's like and usually they get you up on stage or on camera so you'll get practice and experience whilst you're there as well. And also you'll make friends with people in the industry as well. So you'll have some contacts when you come out. That being said, just because you're studying does not mean that you shouldn't be networking independently at the same time oh yeah definitely because that's not something that like most people over here in the UK don't do that really yeah it's becoming more of a thing now because like there's a few like I think a lot of actors now are encouraging people to do more networking I think with social media as well the way it's grown so much people are kind of clocking that it is a little bit more important now than it was previously so yeah people are starting to do that i'm seeing more and more students now coming to the networking events that we hold whereas previously there were barely any of them so on the on the subject of networking what advice would you give these young actors like because networking is a very broad term you can say i'm going out networking and people like what what is that what does that mean so someone asks you how do i network what do you tell them well firstly you need business cards um so like, pop, like, and this goes for everyone, not just actors. Like everyone who's in this industry should have a business card, yeah. um, because if you're good, if you if you meet someone interested, they say, yeah, great. Do you have your details? You just go, yes. Here's my card. Nice and easy. Um, rather be like, oh, no, I don't. Should we do we do Facebook? Uh, some people are very private about their Facebooks and things. I mean, I personally am. I don't really like to give out like that kind of stuff to people that I don't know very well. So a card is a great way to do that. Plus, if you're an actor as well, you can have your agent's details on that, not yours, so they can contact your agent, so you don't have to worry about giving out personal details, etc., unless you want to. Um, so yeah, business cards are an absolute must. And then I would say look for networking events would be the best thing to do first. So we'll just like 
it's as simple as going onto like Facebook or Google, just finding like film networking events in your area and seeing what's happening. Uh, film festivals are a great one as well. Theatre festivals, fringe festivals, indie festivals, like all these kind of things, just going to events that are to do with the industry. Um, and then meeting people and talking to them. <laughs> and that, that's basically it. The, I think the key to networking as well is, again, probably similar to the auditions, is to not go into it with the intention of, I'm going to meet this person and make this contact. It's more along the lines of going like, I'm going to go like, I'm going to go out to this networking event tonight and meet a load of cool people who work in the same industry as me and like see like what their experience of it is and like what cool stuff they're working on. Um, yeah, just to just to kind of like be, be friendly with people and get to know them, get to know their work. Yeah, so it's, yeah. it's as easy as that. It's it fantastic. takes a lot of confidence to talk to people that you don't know. Yeah, that's that something you that can gain. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, yeah, I think that's all very good advice. What if they were to ask you, how do I um, network online? What's the etiquette? What's the protocol? What would you tell them? Uh, See, so online is a tricky one as well. Again, it's also sort of doing a bit of research. If you're going to network with, like, bigger casting directors and agents and stuff, I would say follow them and maybe engage with their posts, but don't tweet them directly about work because you don't know how they're going to respond to that and some of them really don't like it um yeah but in terms of uh film film directors and things just like follow their profiles see what they're doing if they have something happen that's really cool you know congratulate them on it share their things if they're asking for support on a project give it a retweet just like get to know people it's almost the same as you would do in real life if someone was saying oh look i'm in this really cool thing i've got a few like leaflets about it oh let me take a few of those i'll give them to my friends okay great that's cool it's the same thing but you're just retweeting it instead or you're just sharing a facebook post so i think that's the basic principle of it is to just like be yourself be friendly put your work out there but do not like fill your entire feed just with your work because that's really boring have conversations <laughs> with people and share other people's work so that your feed is more like about the industry than just purely you yeah and don't be pushy i mean instagram instagram's a little different though because that could be more like a gallery of your work but then you can still like engage with other people's posts on there as well so commenting on their pictures etc yeah makes sense makes sense all right so yeah i think i'm pretty well out of questions for you i guess the last one would be do you just does anything come to mind any advice where you're like actors should know this you think this will help people does anything come to mind actors should know how to do a tax return oh okay uh, <laughs> let's get into that no, i'm serious i like i really struggle with that because like it's i don't know what it's like in the states but in in the uk like they don't teach you how to do that at school they don't teach you how to oh do yeah it's actually. the same here they don't teach you anything yeah like they don't teach you how to do it and like if you want to work in film tv theater any part of this industry chances are you're going to do self-employed work which means that you're going to need to do taxes or in the states you have to do taxes for everything don't you so like they don't teach they don't teach us that and even when I went to drama school they did not teach me how to do a tax return at all I had to learn that completely by myself so yeah f figure out how to do it and if you don't know how to do it find someone who knows how to do it get them to teach you take advice from people and like make sure you get advice from like legit people as well don't just google it yeah um, yeah definitely 
Yeah, I think that's that's probably one of the best pieces of advice I would give. And I would say don't wait until you need to do your tax return to do your tax return because that's pretty much what everybody does because everyone's suddenly like, oh, I need to do a tax return. And then when you do your tax return, you're like, oh, oh. I might have kept all my receipts for all these things I could have played them back as expenses <laughs> and it's just like knowing what you can and can't pay as expenses how it works how travel expenses work it's like all of that stuff um, and obviously if you do two or three jobs if some of them are self-employed if some of them are you're paid by directly by the company and they pay the tax for you then you'll have to have certain forms to go in with your self-employed work as well and like you can't claim your travel on jobs that are done through those companies you can only claim it on the self-employed work so there's a lot of things that i had to learn that i had absolutely no idea about it and like for the first couple of years maybe like three years four years i paid an accountant to do my tax returns for me because it was so stressful because i had no idea what i was doing yeah um and then I eventually I, I finally learned and now I save myself like nearly two hundred pounds every year because I can just do it myself. Yeah, and that's fantastic. So, yeah, that's probably my biggest advice is to like know how your finances work and also like whenever you have money coming in, save. Yes. Because like you if you don't have work for a while you're going to need that money. You can't just be like, oh, great, I'm making loads of money now. I'll go on holiday. Because the next like couple of months, you may not be making loads of money. And the money you went on holiday with could feed you and pay your rent. Yeah, like, definitely. So, yeah, save. Have, like, a minimum amount that you want to keep saved. And then if you earn over that, then go on holiday. <laughs> yes. Mostly, I think money management is probably one of the most important things about this career um, that you will ever learn because... If you struggle with money, you struggle with everything. Yeah, absolutely. And it ends up taking away from it. If you don't have enough money, you can't get to your auditions, let alone book them. So you've got to take care of that. And it's better to take care of that early so that you don't have to worry about it. And you don't have to miss opportunities later on because you have to pay your rent. Yeah, definitely. And I imagine that's something that you've probably seen many actors fall into, that they get a, you know, their first big paycheck and they're like, oh, I'm going to go blow this. And then, you know, they... Yeah, have... I've, seen, I've seen people do that. I've seen people do that and I've seen other people who just don't know how to manage their money properly either um, and then I see other actors as well sometimes who just you know have a couple of bad months where there just isn't much work around particularly in the winter because if you do sort of temp work um, in the winter there isn't that much of that kind of work around so you have to work double time in the summer because you need that money to cover you in the winter when there's not much work around um, and if you're not getting much work and you're not getting much acting work you can you can just really really struggle for a couple of months so even the best actors and the people that are really careful with their money and that know how to budget know how to save can still end up really struggling so yeah i would say you need probably like a, a zero line of two thousand in the plus in your account yeah definitely and you treat that two thousand as zero to yourself so and you get over the two thousand that's when you start counting how much money is in your account because then if you hit zero you still have your two thousand yeah you got a little mattress to fall back on right yeah definitely yeah and the first thing you should do if you ever lose that two thousand is work on is work on replenishing that which can be so much harder than it sounds because when you're down it's hard to come back up again oh yeah definitely. but you just gotta keep fighting yeah that brings up an interesting thought too and it's something that i've talked to a lot of filmmakers about it's the the notion of 
sacrificing things and this isn't like culty or anything i mean like sacrificing going out for dinner or you know owning nicer things or something like that to the point where you know people will ask me you know how did you fund this and i'm like i paid for it and it's like well how'd you get the money for that it's like well you know i saved how'd you do that it's you know i don't buy i don't go buy fancy clothes i live with roommates i do what i need to do so on that topic what advice would you have for people that are like i don't know how to save more money what can i do um well i would probably the first thing i would do is like either in a notebook or in an app just track everything that you spend make categories and write down how much you're spending in each category and then look at where your expenses are really going like that are really high um, one of the worst ones um, for me, and I think that a lot of people like us here on the go, is food. Oh, yeah. And not not groceries, grab-and-go food. Like, yep. eat out a lot. And not even just restaurants. Just literally, like, I work three jobs today, so I have to get my lunch out because I didn't have time to make it last night because I was tired. It's just finding ways to maybe, like, do three or four days meal prep at a time or, like, working with your housemates. So maybe, like, you'll cook four meals and they'll cook four meals and another one will cook four meals and then you put it all in the fridge and you've got three different types of you've got like then you've got like what three or four different meals each that are different kinds of meals to eat so you don't eat the same thing over and over like working together if you can and if you're on your own finding stuff that maybe you can freeze just finding ways to kind of prepare things like that um and finding out where it's cheaper to go and being like okay maybe i won't go to this kind of slightly fancier place for lunch i'll just get the cheap sandwich instead um yeah it's it's just looking at where your most of your expenses go and being like okay that needs to be cut down and so if you figure a way to cut that down you then have the extra money to play with yeah and i think there's a lot of people that will will fight that too you'll hear hear people say i'm broke and it's like yeah but you you know you go to this restaurant every day for lunch so if you just made on sunday you just make five meals you're gonna save yourself a hundred bucks right yeah Yeah. I, i hear a lot of people um complaining that they have no money and then like 10 minutes later saying that they went out like last weekend and spent 150 pounds on alcohol i'm like well, yeah. there's your money <laughs> like, there's your money it's gone <laughs> like you spent 150 pounds in one night i was like dude it's like three days to make that amount of money sometimes <laughs> i was just like oh you need to look at what you're spending and where and definitely doing budgeting like that works and like to write it down as well makes you accountable for it not so not to just guess where it's going if you write it down how much you do which is why apps are pretty good for that then you'd be like whoa i spend tons here yeah yeah absolutely and then you just just to know where it's going yeah and- um, because quite often if you're busy you can forget what you spent where but at the same time as well whilst you're doing that if you are scrimping and saving a lot every now and then you can allow yourself a little budget but i'm gonna really treat myself today oh yeah yeah don't torture yourself because that, that that won't do you much good no. <laughs> all no. right it's like that's the hard part it's like i think that's the hardest part is finding the balance because like, i'm terrible at that i'm just constantly working and stuff and i should be sometimes i just have to take down I'm like no i'm going to do this i'm going to buy that pair of shoes because I, bought them. <laughs> I, I was like i don't buy anything for myself i was like my clothes will have holes in them and i want those shoes and like, you know what i'm gonna have those shoes today yeah. every now and then you do have to kind of be like no do you know what you treat you yourself have to live your life as well you can't as much as it is all about budgeting and all about working hard and progressing and trying to make your career happen we do have to face the realities that that might happen very late in life or not at all. Now, 
I know we're all adamant that that won't happen, <laughs> but you have to put that little what if in your head um, because you do need to make sure that you actually enjoy your life while you're doing it. And I think that's the most important thing is that if you do not enjoy the process of being an actor, time to get out. Don't do it. Yeah, absolutely. No, seriously, don't do it. Like you can't just enjoy like actual acting part work you can't just enjoy being on stage or filming you have to enjoy the auditioning you have to enjoy the networking you have to enjoy learning your lines you have to enjoy putting in the work and the graft like you have to enjoy all of that it can't just be worth it for the end result because if you don't ever get to the end result you've wasted your life on something you didn't enjoy yeah absolutely and like so to that got point to enjoy your process you yeah, also de- get further if you enjoy your process because people can tell if you're enjoying what you're doing. Yeah, definitely. And to that point, uh, like I imagine acting is such a, like the physical act of acting is such a small percentage of what you spend your time doing. Like what would you say the percentage of your time is spent acting is? Oh, like 5% maybe? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Yeah, I mean, 5%, if you're lucky. I mean, the stats in the UK are something like 80% of actors are out of work 80% of the time. Yeah, yeah. It's a yeah. big numbers. So it's just like, if you look at those stats, like, you have to enjoy your process, otherwise you're going to 80% of the time be really unhappy with life. <laughs> <laughs> and that's no way to live. Yeah. No. All right, awesome. Well, yeah, I think we've given our listeners tons of good advice and yeah great answer on the tax thing i don't think anyone would really answer that so that's fantastic <laughs> well i mean like even i didn't think about it before it's nobody thinks about it until it's like waving in your face you're like oh i have to do this now yeah and then you're like what the hell is that yeah you're like oh my gosh you just stare at like, you sit there staring at like the tax forms and just like this is literally another language right yeah and the language See? is called boring no, this was written by aliens. I have no idea what this is saying to me. I'm like, I understand the like the words, but the order of them does not make sense. Um, and yet somehow we have to fill them out. So yeah, definitely learn that. Yeah. All right. Well, yeah. Thanks for being on the show. Um, Thank where... you very much for having me. It's been lovely talking to you. Of course. Where can people find you? Uh, people can find me on Twitter or Instagram or on YouTube. Um, the tag for all of those is at Lydia K E one five. Uh, same for Facebook as well. I'm kind of all over the internet. <laughs> Not hard to find. Yeah. And if anybody wants to check out Acting Hour, they can go to www.actinghour.com and everything. Everything is there. And if you okay. listen to this episode, it is mandatory. You have to check it out. Just do it. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, we'll talk to you later.